Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Bring in the Heat podcast. It is episode 29. We have lived to see 29 episodes, and it's crazy. The time has flown. You know, I'm still kicking. So as long as I'm here, Bring in the Heat will always be Bring in the Heat. And this episode, as always, is brought to you by our sponsors at Train on Main. I sit here and tell you this in shame because I'm telling you to go get fit as I just ate fast food, but go see Dan at Train on Main, all right? It is a true one-on-one setting. They will help you achieve your goals and will help you get back into summer shape. You can look uh, follow them on at Train on Main 427, which is on Instagram, and you can also Go check them out for yourself in person. All you got to do is type in the address 427 Main Street, Stroudsburg, PA 18360, and go there and ask for Dan. He will set you up. You'll be able to tell him the goals that you have, what you want to achieve, and he will come up with a plan for you and, and help you achieve whatever you set out to do. So make sure to go check them out. Um, with that said, this will probably honestly be our fastest, or I should say my fastest episode, I'm flying solo today, Um, there really is not a ton to dive into um, as far as sports really in general are concerned. Um, First thing that I want to just get into, and it was kind of breaking news today, is um, Luis Severino was supposed to start for the Yanks today. Um, About 20 minutes before the start of the game, he got scratched. Due to shoulder soreness, the second I saw this, I'm like, here we go. You know, most Yankee fans know that it seems every year there is just something that happens. I mean, we had it with Mo, we had it with Montgomery last year, um, but Severino goes out, he's hurt. Um, I got the notification about an hour ago saying that it's just inflammation. So he had it said shoulder soreness. So right away you're like, geez, this cannot be happening. Um, it's just inflammation. So um, we're grateful for that. No tear, nothing like that. I mean, they got the results back fairly quick. Shutting them down for two weeks. They said there's a good chance he won't be ready for opening day because uh, basically – He's going to go two weeks without throwing. He hasn't. He's only thrown, I think, once so far in the spring. So he's really not going to be in game shape. So you could probably scratch him for the first week or two of the season. He probably won't be there. Um, so that makes the Paxton deal even more important because at least we know Paxton will start opening day most likely. But it's just it's just a setback the Yankees don't need. I mean, it seems like when they finally start to get answers, they're filling positions, you know, this happens. And, and we can't forget Aaron Hicks is still out. Aaron Hicks is out with the back I- issue, and that's a problem. So, you know, as a Yankee fan, it, it really is frustrating to see these things happen. Um, You know, I, I think Aaron Hicks will be all right. But, you know, he's had a ton of injuries, and that's why I was so annoyed not to say annoyed. I was so surprised about the seven-year deal, um, be, just because it's it's not that I think even though his average is so low, Aaron Hicks is such a good defensive player and gets on base that you know I'm okay with paying him that money. It was just the seven years is what questioned me because he is going to be 30, and we've said this already, and he's injury prone. So now you got you know Severino's out, you got um, Aaron Hicks is out. Those are two guys definitely out. Um, 
And then you have, uh, you know, J- Jordan Montgomery, who's not even back yet. He probably won't be back for a while. Didi's already out. So, you know, the Yankees, are they a good team? Yes, they are a very good team. 100-win team easily to me on paper. Um, even even with those guys out, they're, you know, I think they can win a ton of games. Uh, but it's just, it's really um, frustrating to see injuries like this happen because, and it's unfortunate because, you know, Severino's a guy, he's kind of got that rep as, you know, first half, basically Cy Young award contender and then second half he struggled and that's happened two years in a row now so he's trying to you know kind of beat that reputation and then to come out and now have this um again i don't think it's going to be anything that bothers him for the whole year um but it is discouraging because you just don't know i mean some people have that for a while and it doesn't go away you would think with the way major league baseball is obviously they got top top flight programs so uh, you would think that they're going to get it taken care of and it won't be an issue, but you know, you don't know. And, and it's crazy because I've read a bunch of articles how, you know, Severino, he, he completely changed everything to try to um, basically beat, beat that stereotype that he has as a first half pitcher. And, you know, he changed his diet, he worked, changed his workouts, did everything he had to do. And, and now this happens. So, you know, It'll, it'll, we'll see what happens. And, and some guys, and this is crazy, but some guys struggle when they make drastic changes like that. I mean, look at CC Sabathia. CC Sabathia, we all know, has not been the healthiest guy in his career. Um, as far as, you know, I'm not going to say, I, I would say he's a durable pitcher. I'm saying like healthy, like he's overweight, all that stuff, blah, blah, blah. But he was very good um, because, you know, he, I guess he he was so used to carrying that that body weight around, and then he tried to make a drastic change. He stopped eating that box of cereal um, a day for breakfast, and he lost a ton of weight. And he actually, I think he had a couple injuries that year, and he did not play well. He didn't pitch well. So I mean, it's definitely um, interesting to see how now Severino has made a change, and now that could be affecting. Maybe that's affecting him. I mean, I don't think that is. I think a lot of guys experience um, some shoulder or some fatigue and some issues when they first start um, the spring because they haven't thrown much or maybe they, you know, it, it's new. You know, their bodies, you're changing again. You know, you get that t- that period of time off. You know, obviously they're doing off-season stuff, um, you know, throughout the winter, but not a ton, you know, so they come back, try to go full throttle. And maybe that's why some inflammation uh, blows up. It's probably more of a precautionary thing uh, because it is spring training. But, you know, now that they're shutting them down for two weeks, it is kind of um, it is kind of discouraging. So moving on, though, um, you know, I'm not going to get too much into the Bryce Harper thing. We, I kind of talked about it in my last podcast. Um you know, Harper gets that 13-year deal. I don't think he will see the end of that deal. Um, I will say that um, I feel like he doesn't seem so excited to be in Philly. Like, man, you just got $330 million. I'd be chipper as all hell. And I don't know. I just haven't gotten that vibe from him. I mean, I watched the press conference where he fumbled over his words. What's Who cares? I mean, the guy spent seven years in Washington, D.C., like, he it's it's not a, that big of a deal. I mean, he made a mistake, so be it. I just in my honest opinion, I feel like these 
the negotiations dragged out more because I feel like he didn't really want to play in Philly. I don't think it had so much to do with um, him, you know, the money. I think it was really about wanting to play in Philly. I don't know. In my honest opinion, something tells me Philly was not his his first, second, or third choice. Maybe it was his third choice. I don't know. I mean, I think in the back of his head, he was hoping, you know, maybe the Yankees jump in or or maybe the Dodgers or the Dodgers did make a bid. Maybe, you know, I don't know. I, maybe the Cubs come in and throw money at him. I, I really don't know, but that's just the vibe that I get. I could be completely wrong. I don't know Bryce Harper. I'd never talked to him a day in my life. Um, so I couldn't tell you that. I'm just going by what I've seen. Something just doesn't, it doesn't feel right. But you know what? At the end of the day, I think he's going to be good in Philly. I do. I'm not going to sit here and bash him. I think that he's going to hit a ton of home runs in that stadium. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I, I could see him having kind of a struggle the first year. Um, it's a different atmosphere. We saw it with Stanton. Um, I, I expect Stanton to have a better year this year than he did last year. I don't know about an MVP year. But, you know, I, I could kind of see the same thing happen in Harper where he struggles a little bit. And then, uh, you know, maybe in his second year there, he comes out and does better but who knows i mean you know bryce harper is a talented guy um now you know all the focus in philly is shifted towards mike trout which again we got two more years for that but who knows uh that would be absolutely crazy if that happened i have a hard time believing that the angels would let him leave you know there are very few guys that you get that are like mike trout he's a generational talent uh but you know time will tell I'm not going to get too much into that because that's a long ways away, but it would be something incredible if they were to land him uh, in 2021. Um, So uh, going back to the Yankees a little bit, Sabathia, uh, you know, he's coming back this year. He, and this is just some stupid news, but he's going to be an analyst for ESPN after he's done, he's going to do a bunch of different things there, which is exciting because I love CeCe Sabathia. I don't know how anybody can not like him. He is a gamer. He's always been good. Um, and, and you know, he, he seems to be a, a really a really good dude. Um, Sabathia is like one of those guys that you could just kind of – he's like if you were in a room with him you know, or you had to hang out with him for the day, it would be cool. And it wouldn't be like, oh, I'm hanging out with CC, the, the baseball player. It seems like I'm hanging out with CC. you know, like the, the, he's cool. He's, he's just a normal human being. That's the kind of vibe I get from him, and I, I like that about athletes. You know, I, I, he doesn't seem to put himself on a, on a higher pedestal than someone else because he's a professional athlete. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, and then the last thing with the Yankees is uh, basically – Aaron Judge is the man, and love Aaron Judge. Again, he's another guy really hard to hate. Uh, he's you know he works hard. Uh, doesn't say much. Kind of that quiet leader, and he, he remains on a tear. The spring training had another home run today. Again, I don't I don't put too much stock into spring training numbers because they don't matter. Uh, you're facing guys that are minor leaguers. You're facing guys that. Um, you know, aren't ready for that pro level or are trying to make a name for themselves that maybe this is their last year to prove themselves or something like that. And so, you know, I don't take too much stock into how spring training goes again, especially as someone who's a Yankee fan knows better with the way that we've seen Greg Bird do well in the first or in the spring training and then struggle during the season. So I don't put too much stock in that, but you know, it's nice to see judge out there swinging the bat. Well, you know, he's healthy, um, and you know, and then you look at Stanton and again, he has 
struggled. He's hitting a hundred or something like that. Like, but I expect things to turn around again. They, they've just started only a couple games in. So again, not too much stock, uh, placed in that. Um, and then just, you know, some free agent stuff. I mean, Craig Kimbrell still out there. A lot of people think he's going to end up in Washington. I just have a hard time Washington, like spending, they spent so much money and yet they, they didn't re-sign Harper and I, I don't know I don't know about the Nationals I just feel like they're always going to be a team that contends but they're not going to win anything big any any time in the near future at least in my honest opinion I mean they got a good rotation but I don't know I I, I Kimbrell I'm I am surprised he's still out on the market I am I was I'm kind of surprised that he that David Robertson signed uh before him but you know it is what it is. And then Dallas Keuchel, who knows about him too? I'm a huge Dallas Keuchel fan. Always been a big fan of him. I still say the Padres need to go out and, and spend money on that man. Uh, I'm not saying a ton. Give him a three-year deal. But, I, I mean, I don't know what Keuchel's looking for in a deal, but I know that he's a good player, and, and I think he would do well in that in that stadium. It's a smaller ballpark. He's a ground ball guy. I've always been a Keuchel fan. So I hope he finds a home soon. Um, to, obviously, I don't think it's going to be New York. I don't think you know he's going to go anywhere like that. But again, I think San Diego could throw some money at him. Um, but that's it for baseball. Like I said, it's going to be a pretty quick episode. Um, so going on to the NFL. All right. Uh, not again. Not much in the way of football either. We had the draft. Um, DK uh, Metcalf or, or the dude from Old Miss, the receiver, that guy broke. He didn't break records, but like he broke the internet. Guy is a tank. Like he's got one percent body fat. I don't know how that's even possible. I don't even know if that's like healthy to have one percent body fat. But he's doing it, and he ran like a four three three forty. The man's got uh, you know a forty inch vertical. Um, just, just absolutely crazy. And so, you know, I think he jumped up. A, a lot of people are saying that he's the number one receiver in the draft, uh, first round pick, but I think he might've jumped up a little bit, but then, you know, it's crazy because these other, you know, he has a comp and his comp is not a good comp in Kevin white. So again, I'm a bears fan and Kevin white, he is athletic, but he was never healthy, and it so it just never translated on the field. He had a hard time with separation, and so th- I think they kind of that might shy some teams away if that's his comparison. So, um, also the Eagles decided not to put the tag on Foles, and so Nick Foles will be a free agent, but he won't be a free agent for long. Because he is expected to sign with the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, that means Blake Bortles will will definitely be out. They will cut Blake Bortles, and from what I've been reading, it seems Blake Bortles could end up in Pittsburgh. And that to me is funny because Blake Bortles' comp coming out of college was Ben Roethlisberger, so he'll be there to back up Big Ben. I would think that's a kind of a little bit of a head scratcher though, because of the fact that the Steelers do have Josh Dobbs and Mason Rudolph, both guys of which they use draft picks for. Um, And they've both, I mean, Rudolph developed this past year, and then Dobbs has been there the last two years. So that's a little interesting to me because I don't think you're going to carry four quarterbacks on a roster. Um, 
So if he goes to Pittsburgh, I'll be a little surprised, but that's what people are saying to go there as a backup. If, if I'm him, I'm going to a team that kind of has quarterback questions that you don't know you know what could happen like if i'm blake bortles i'm possibly signing with maybe a one-year deal with the baltimore ravens if they're interested because you know lamar jackson's a horrible passer blake bortles isn't much better but he might have a shot to play some games there um i'm trying to think who else has some quarterback questions Uh, i think a lot of teams are pretty set at the quarterback position at least I, I feel, and the ones that aren't are going to st- uh, going to you know answer or fill those voids at on uh, draft night. So I mean the Redskins potentially, but I don't think they'll do that. I think I think the Redskins are gonna just stick with Josh Johnson and you know take a guy in the draft. I, I really do. I um, so I don't know. I mean maybe the Dolphins, maybe the Dolphins go out and, and sign Bortles. I, I don't know. It's gonna be interesting. But and I've always liked Bortles, but he is not a good passer. Uh, and he was definitely a product of their really good defense the year they made it to the AFC Championship game. Um, and then, and that also brings me back to Foles. Um, Foles, in my honest opinion, will not do well outside of Philly. I think he's going to revert back to the Foles that was at St. Louis when it was the St. Louis Rams. And I don't know. I just don't think that Nick Foles is... I still don't believe the Nick Foles hype train. I really don't. And I don't know if that's me being a salty Bears fan because he beat them in the playoffs, but I really am not on the Nick Foles train. I mean, I think he deserves the opportunity, and I don't think Jacksonville's stupid for going after him because, you know, it, was it the being a product of a system in Philly? Who knows? Or maybe he's been a good quarterback, and maybe he struggled under, you know, uh, Fisher in St. Louis. I mean, who knows? Um, so I guess, you know, this will be this. I think this will be his last chance to get big money. If, if he really struggles, maybe a backup. Um, but it's crazy because Nick Foles is a guy that, you know, he was close to retiring and here he is now about to earn himself some money. So definitely pretty interesting. Uh, and uh, you know, I'm not going to say I hate Nick Foles. I don't, I, I'm not, a, I don't like the Eagles. So, you know, if you're on the Eagles, I, I don't like you. And so, um, <laughs> as far as Foles, though, I think that, you know, only time's going to tell. And, you know, Jacksonville, they need to add some weapons around him as well. Um, so they need to, to Leonard Fournette, you know, hurt a lot. So I don't know how that's going to really work out. And they're trying to get rid of Carlos Hyde. Um, I don't know. There's just so many, so many offensive question marks for the, for Jacksonville, and um, just going on to uh, some other news, um, Landon Collins will not be franchised by the Giants, which is crazy. Um, I guess it's because he wasn't, he didn't intend on signing a long-term deal or playing under the franchise tag. He wanted to sign a long-term deal. So I guess the Giants are just like, screw it. We're going to avoid the whole Le'Veon Bell situation of him holding out, and we're just going to cut ties right now that's crazy to me if that was your intentions the the whole time you needed to deal him at the deadline and get what you could for him um you had to know by then that there was no deal that was gonna happen you couldn't afford him or so be it whatever it is you had to go out and try to trade that man even if you get a second round pick third round pick, maybe a second and third, whatever it is, you're going to get more back for him than what you are by letting him walk. You're not going to get anything now. 
So it's crazy that they they would one and at this point franchise him. You know, at least you get the the, the chances of him playing, uh, and you get more time to negotiate a deal. Maybe I don't know. I, I find it really weird that the Giants you know would do that, especially a team that you know they're an older team. I, I would say they're you know they're kind of medi- medium. Not I wouldn't say they're too old, but you know you're trying to get younger. And he's young. He's got NFL experience, but he's young. He's 25. I mean, keep that man around. It's crazy. And Landon Collins, three-time Pro Bowler. I mean, what else do you want from the guy? So he's going to make crazy money on the market. Um, Chicago has has a, a void at you know safety. My man, you are more than welcome in Chicago. I don't care if Bears go throw money at you. You and Eddie Jackson back there would be insane. So that would be freaking great. Um I'm not going to get too excited because probably not going to happen. But, you know, the Bears have landed top free agents in the past, and they, they always are that team that kind of makes that splash. You know, they did it with Brandon Marshall. They did it with Julius Peppers back in the day. Um, so, you know, and now the Khalil Mack, I mean, they're always, you know, doing something. So I would be, I wouldn't be surprised if they enter those sweepstakes, but. Um, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, they've been tied to LaMarcus Joyner, so I think that they'll end up going after him. But I love Landon Collins. I've always liked him. Uh, great player, works hard, seems like a good teammate. I mean, so, you know, again, time will tell. I can't, I get excited for this time of the year for football because a lot of stuff starts to happen with the draft and the con or with the combine and the draft and signing free agents and. It gets crazy, and as a Bears fan, we don't have a first or second round pick, so it's going to really come down to free agents. Um, uh, the the Chiefs are looking to uh, extend Tariq Hill to a record setting deal. I don't know what that entails, but you know, I think that's a little crazy. Tariq Hill is obviously fastest dude in the league, um, but. We've seen guys, you know, at these skill positions, they don't last. I mean, guys like Larry Fitzgerald, he's like a diamond dozen when it comes to that because players in the NFL just don't last anymore. I mean, so Tariq Hill's got already, what, three years under his belt? I mean, maybe you sign him to a four-year deal. I'm cool with that. Anything more than that, I'd be crazy because to me, on a, on a football player, the first thing to go is their legs, um, especially at a skill position. So, you know, uh, also... The Ravens released um, Eric Weddle after three years with them. Not really a surprise. They've talked about it before. Uh, Weddle said originally that if they had released him, he was going to retire. He wanted to play for another. He wouldn't want to play for another organization. Uh, he came back on that and said that he wants to play again or play. He'll play no matter who it is. So um, look for him to be back, sign with another team, probably on a one-year deal. Um, and then also the Rams are releasing Mark Barron. Uh, after five years with the team. So the Rams will have uh, a hole to fill there, but I think they'll be okay. I'm not too worried about the Rams. They have an influx of talent there, young talent, um, so much so that we didn't even get us get to see a lot of it even on display because of uh, how much talent they had. They, I don't think they had – I think I read something where – their draft picks played the least amount of snaps, which is crazy. Um, let's see what else here. Nothing. That's it. All right, so the last thing that I have to cover, and then we're done. I mean, like I said, short episode. Uh, 
make sure you look out for the next episode though we will be interviewing i'm not going to tell you who we're interviewing yet um but another former major league baseball player um and you know we're going to get another story another baseball story it doesn't get any better than that i I love the interviews where we do interviews with guys who have um you know baseball stories or or sports stories in general you know from the time how they get interested in the sport to you know where they are now and what's after their career? You know, I like stuff like that because everybody's story and how they get got involved in the sport that they play is so interesting and so different. And everybody has a story from those sports. You know, you heard it last week with the Zach McCambly interview. You heard my story. You heard parts of his story. So it's always it's awesome. That's what interviews are all about. It's not about, you know, the typical questions they always get um, about performance or things like that. But to me, it's about the story, the underlying story of how they got to that point. And to me, I think that's awesome. So look for that. Uh, it's going to be another good interview. I'm super excited for that. But the last thing I just wanted to go over was UFC. So UFC this weekend paid 60 bucks for that card. And I will say I was disappointed. Um, I wasn't disappointed as far as, I mean, the card was stacked. I mean, the UFC could not have made a better card. They really did make a good card. The fights just were boring. I'm not going to say they were bad because I think that would be wrong of me to say they were bad because, you know, everybody that watches MMA is a different type of fan. Um, I wasn't a wrestler. In, in high school or anything like that. So I don't appreciate the wrestling uh, portion of MMA as much as I probably should as an MMA fan. Um, but I'm, I'm one of those fans that, you know, I love the knockout. I love to watch knockout or, or not even a knockout, but like exchanges of just punching. And and then I, I enjoy the wrestling if, if there's high level, you know, submission attempts and and crazy reversals and changing of guards and and great takedowns and and i enjoy the takedown defense i like that part but when i when i'm watching a fight you know to me in my honest opinion the usman woodley fight was super boring and it wasn't that it was bad it because it was a marvelous display of wrestling and pure dominance on Kamara Usman's part. I mean, he absolutely dominated Tyron Woodley. I mean, we have not seen Tyron Woodley so overmatched really in so long. I mean, he, Tyron Woodley fought one of the toughest and probably the one of the best uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu fighters in Damian Maia. And Maia did not land one takedown. Woodley stuffed every takedown attempt. But I think Maya was a little weaker. You know, he's not as strong. And Usman is, you know, he's, I'm not going to say, I think Woodley is a better striker than Usman. But Usman is so fast and so strong that Woodley had no chance at landing punches. And I mean, Usman just, you know, he took him down at will and just, you know, he tired the hell out of Woodley. You could tell after the first round that this fight was not going to go uh, go well for Woodley. His back was against the fence most of the time, um, and he—I'm not going to say he looked scared, but he just looked lost. Um, 
And the thing, Tyrone Woodley is one of my favorite fighters in the UFC, and that's because he makes zero excuses. He came out and said, look, like I was super prepared, and Usman was the better man and absolutely dominated. I mean, that's all he said. Um, you know, he's not really a guy that calls anyone out. He says, you know, my goal was to retain this title, move up, and uh, or fight Colby, and then move up and try to get that belt. Uh, he said those plans have changed. He's like, I want to get my belt back first. So he's, you know, he's gonna fight the winner of Colby and Usman because Usman and Covington's already been uh, scheduled as the next fight for Usman, the next title fight. But the fight was boring. But I have to say, it was, you know, Usman was was great. He was absolutely great. And so I, I don't want to sound like a shitbag fan because i'm like oh it was boring it's not if you're a wrestling fan you would enjoy the fact that he absolutely just dominated him on the ground but you know that's just sometimes it gets a little boring and that for five rounds can get can get tiresome as a fan um but i'm just going to go through the fights on the card i just kind of wanted to to express why i thought that was boring because even even the john jones fight wasn't super entertaining but i'll get to that when i when i get to that fight so uh Diego Sanchez beat Mickey Gall, which was awesome. Uh, Diego Sanchez is ageless. The man's 30 and 11, so 41 career fights. And he looked greater than I have seen him in so long. I mean, he looked fit. He looked strong. He looked so well-rounded. Mickey Gall is a very good uh, takedown guy. He's very good at, at wrestling, and his submissions are great. And Sanchez, just his defense was great. And he absolutely just, I mean, his hands were just unloading on Mickey Gall. Mickey Gall seemed to have, you know, stunned Sanchez in the beginning. He tried to, a flurry of punches to, to knock him out and just didn't happen. And eventually um, Mickey Gall gassed and Diego Sanchez took advantage and absolutely uh, dominated that fight. So that was that was a very, very entertaining fight. Um, I'm going to skip the Stammen fight because I'll be honest, I didn't watch too much of it. Um, it went to a decision. Stammen did win 18-2. He, he's an up-and-coming uh, up and coming guy. But uh, Johnny Walker against Serkinov, that was insane. Johnny Walker is a problem. Johnny Walker is going to be, as long as he stops doing stupid things, Johnny Walker, I would love honestly to see Johnny Walker versus either, I would say Gustafson. I'd like to see Johnny Walker, Gustafson. If Johnny Walker can beat Alexander Gustafson, I'm going Johnny Walker versus John Jones. Um, even, even, even if it's Walker and Anthony Smith, you know, I'm cool with that because, you know, those two guys just fought John Jones. Um, cause I would say that the hype on Johnny Walker has risen so fast because of how quick his fights are ending, but I don't think he's fought anyone at anywhere. I mean, John Jones's level is way higher than any of the guys he's fighting, but I don't think he's even fought anyone close to the Anthony Smith or Alexander Gustafson level. So I think he needs to fight one of those guys first. But I mean, when you're ending fights in the first round with an under a minute on multiple uh, occasions then that means you're doing something right and you're a problem. And he did that with a highlight reel flying knee right to the face of Serkinov, eventually just hitting him with a few more punches while he's on the ground for good measure, which was eventually stopped. Um, 
And so that was crazy. Um, to me, that was knockout of the night without a doubt. Um, but then he did something stupid. He, he tried to celebrate by doing the worm, injured his shoulder. He's out four weeks now. So they didn't, they didn't specify what the injury is. They just said that, you know, he's out for four weeks with a shoulder injury. looks like he could have dislocated his, his shoulder by the way he landed. So he, he tried to do the worm. And then when he landed like an idiot, uh, you could see he was in pain. Trainers went in there. And so now he is out for four weeks because of that. So pretty dumb on his part. Uh, so he probably won't be a little bit till he fights because he's out for four weeks. I'm assuming that's probably not doing anything. And then you got to go through your camp. And camp is normally four to six weeks. So um, sometimes it's longer than that. So uh, pretty dumb on his part, especially a guy that came out and said, I want to fight every month. Um, that doesn't seem like that's going to happen now considering he's out for a month. Um, but what makes that, that win even more impressive is that he took it on such short notice. He fought on two weeks notice and just, I mean, Serkinov got owned. Um, I mean, Johnny Walker's just a crazy athlete, plain and simple. Um, then we go on to, uh, Jeremy Stevens against, um, Magomed Sharapov. Uh, that was a, that was a good fight. Uh, you know, I love Jeremy Stevens. I do. But Magomed Sharapov is, you know, an up-and-coming guy. He's 17-1. and one. He he just does everything so well. He's powerful. He's got great hands. He can wrestle. His submissions are crazy. Uh, that fight, I get, it could have went up either way. I mean, all the judges scored at 28-29. So it was a close fight. But ultimately, you know, if all three judges are scoring at the same it's probably the right decision. And so I think that Magomed Sharapov, you know, he deserved to win that fight, plain and simple. Um, quick, Quickly to the main card. So Pedro Munoz beat Cody Garbrandt. Cody Garbrandt's dropped three in a row, all by knockout. And it's crazy because Cody Garbrandt had that wonderful fight against Dominic Cruz where he absolutely dominated Dominic Cruz. I mean, he taunted him in the ring, was hitting him with shots at will. And then to come out and to lose to TJ Dillashaw, not once, but twice by knockout. And then to come out against Munoz, who everyone expected Cody Garbrandt to come in and, you know, kind of make that name for himself again. And you come out and you get knocked out again. And so luckily for Garbrandt, he's young. I mean, he's only 24. Five, I think 26 super young but I mean you can't his problem is so they were standing in the middle of the ring exchanging blows which is is fine but see once Garbrandt either tags his opponent or gets tagged he like goes off the rails and just tries he'll go haywire and he just tries to to punch and just knock you out right away. And like, so he just throws wild, wild punches. Sorry, he's 27, but he throws wild, wild punches and just going crazy, going, going berserk. And then he gets caught. We saw it with TJ when he stunned TJ. And then next thing you know, boom, he's knocked out. And you know, that was twice really that happened. And then, and then this, so Cody Garbrandt has some things to figure out. Um, I think he needs to become a little bit more well-rounded. He's, to me, in my eyes, strictly a boxer, and I like Cody Garbrandt, but you know, for all the shit that he had, that he's talked, and then 
to me, like a true champion is someone who defends their title successfully. I'm one of those guys. And so, you know, to me, all right, was he a one-hit wonder in that fight against Dominic Cruz? You know, because he was the underdog, was he, uh, you know, did he relish in that moment? And now, you know, did he take things for granted? I mean, I don't know. I don't talk to Cody Garbrandt. I don't see how he trains. But something's going on. If You know, he looked like a totally different fighter. His defense was crazy. He was calm and collected against Cruz. And that's just not the guy that we've seen. We don't see him countering anything. We don't see him waiting back and and countering. He's the one pressing forward, which is great. But then he presses forward too much, starts throwing wild punches. And the second he gets clipped on the chin, it's good night. He cannot hand. He has no chin. Um, So that was was a little surprising to me. I I really thought that that fight was going to get Garbrandt kind of back to, to who he was. And he came out the same guy. He hasn't made any changes in the last three fights, and we've seen that. The only changes that he that he's made are negative from the fight against Cruz to now. You know, he's changed, and he hasn't changed for the better. So that's something that has to get worked out. Um, I'm going to skip the Torres-Zang fight. I didn't watch too much of that one either. Uh, the Robbie Lawler-Ben Askren fight, controversial fight. Um, there's two controversial things with the refs this weekend. So this was the one. Um, Robbie Lawler absolutely... He picked Ben Askren up and dropped him straight on his head. And because of that, Askren – and that, that's surprising because Askren is, is a world-class wrestler. And so Robbie Lawler is not really known for that. He's known for coming out and trying to take your head off. And so Robbie Lawler picked him up, dropped him on his head, and then uh, when – Askren was getting up he was just dismantling him I mean he was beating the hell out of Ben Askren Askren's eye and nose are all busted up he's bleeding all over the place and then uh he looked to be out at one point he was on his stomach um and then he's getting hit and he kind of seemed out but the ref didn't stop it and so Askren ended up getting up uh and then you know they ended up getting the clinch both end up on the ground. Askren gets uh, Lawler in a choke, and the ref called it. And what's crazy is, um, so so what happened was when Lawler was in this choke, his arm had gone limp, and when his arm went limp, that was when Herb Dean was was you know it looked like after in quick motion in real time it looked like he was out. Um, his arm had dropped, went limp, and everyone was like, oh, he's out, he's out, he's out. Herb Dean called it. Then if you watch the replay, his arm went limp, so it looked like he was out. And then when it looked like Herb Dean had asked him a question, and when he asked him a question, it looked like Lawler gave a thumbs up. Then Herb Dean called the fight, and then the second Askren let go of the hold – Robbie Lawler popped his head up and said, what the hell? Like, I was okay. I gave you thumbs up. I was okay. So a little bit of a controversy, uh, controversial stoppage there. And so Dana White came out and said, I think we need to run it back. And Lawler needs to fight Askren again. And Askren, and I, I'm not a big fan of Ben Askren. He, I don't know why. Um, but he said, absolutely not. Not interested in it. I beat him on to the next guy. And so to me, that's a little bit of a, you know, kind of a bitch move, but you know, 
I guess you beat him, you move on. Uh, he's not young. I think he's a guy that wants to rise the ranks as quick as he can and try to claim that belt. Because, again, he's, he's I think he's 35, 36. So, you know, he wants to move forward. You know, he won that fight. and But I think it's crazy because he that just goes to show you he has not fought anybody relatively close to some of the guys that he's going to face in, in the UFC because, I mean, he got beat to hell by Robbie Lawler who looked phenomenal and now you know unfortunately he lost that fight and that was probably the best I've seen Robbie Lawler look in a while he had that year off after the surgery on his ACL and he looked he looked great he looked ripped he looked big he looked scary uh, like he had that intensity in his eyes that he was going to go in there and dismantle um, Ben Askren and he did until the end there and and what's crazy is Askren has a chin that man was getting beat the hell up if I got hit like that I'd be out I would have tapped the punches been like all right I'm done like and Askren didn't give up he was getting hit the hell and he came back and finished the fight and that's that takes heart and as much as I say I don't like him that was an entertaining fight great fight and you know guys got heart came out and and you know did his thing and withstood the floor the flurry found an opportunity and won the way he knows how to win. He's not going to outbox anybody ever. Never has, never will. That will never be a part of his game. If anybody has a good enough wrestling background that can stop the takedowns, stop the submissions, and f- and s- keep the fight standing, Ben Askren will not lose. But right now, that hasn't happened. And Ben Askren is 1-0 in the UFC and 19-0 overall in his MMA career. That's pretty impressive. Um and, the, and before I go to the John Jones fight, the other controversial call came in the Woodley-Usman fight, and that was when Mark Goddard cons- uh, made them stand up. So Usman was in dominant position. He was on top of uh, Woodley, um, and Mark Goddard consistently, I think he did it three times, stood them up. And it wasn't like they weren't working. I mean, you have to understand, if you're – holding um, someone to the ground who is equally or as strong as you and Woodley obviously is I mean he's a world another world-class wrestler that takes a ton of energy and he's keeping Woodley on his back while also working with punches and I wasn't I'm not going to say he was trying for any submissions because I don't think he did but you know he was working he was changing guards he was punching you know he was doing everything he could he was working it wasn't like he was just laying on him he was keeping him on the ground while also working and Goddard stood up stood them up and said hey look this is a fight and so a lot of people had took issue to that which i understand as boring as it is and yeah the fans probably don't want to see that you know that's what mma is it's mixed martial arts there's tons of different things you can do and so I think that's it was wrong with Goddard, and you know, Anik had questioned it on Twitter. And Anik is a world class guy, he was not calling out Goddard, he was talking about both decisions between Dean and then Goddard, both of which were mistakes but were handled differently. Um, and so Goddard got all butthurt about it, and it became um, a big issue. Hopefully they can get past it because I really do like Mark, Mark Goddard. I think that he and Herb Dean are the two best refs in the UFC, um, hence why they're working the co-main and the main event. But, uh, you know, it's just – I don't think you can say things like that. You know, that's mixed martial arts. You're refing mixed martial arts. You should know that. Um, but I'm not going to dive too much more into that. You know, it, you know, there's not really much else to talk about. Hopefully they can figure that out and, you know – 
it doesn't happen again. And then finally, the John Jones Anthony Smith fight. Um, it was dominant. I mean, John Jones landed 238 total strikes to Smith's 45, 125 significant strikes to Smith's 36. Um, and John Jones had 11 minutes and 47 seconds of control, where Anthony Smith had a second. Um, Smith didn't attempt any takedowns. John Jones had three. And John Jones just dominated him. I mean, it went to a decision. I wouldn't say it was the most exciting fight. It really wasn't. It was a technical striking fight by Jones. He he landed the strikes when he could. Um, he was very efficient in his strikes. He was doing a little bit of everything with some elbows, some leg kicks, uh, things like that. You know, typical John Jones thing. Um, Anthony Smith, you know, he's got heart. The guy never gave up. Um, and actually, Jones could have gotten disqualified, and Smith could have won that fight. Um, Jones threw an illegal uh, kick or knee or whatever it was when Smith was down. A down opponent, you cannot do that. We saw it with Greg Hardy. It was not nearly as bad as Greg Hardy's, but can't do it, and Jones did it. Um, but Anthony Smith is not a guy that's going to try to get a cheap win because um, it's not going to do anything for you. They're not going to take that in, into consideration. He would have got the win. Smith would have got a re, or Jones would have got a rematch and absolutely dominated him again. So he wasn't going to do it. And so you know, John Jones, he got two points deducted, but it didn't matter anyway. I mean, he dominated. When I say dominated, I mean he he won. All judges scored at forty eight forty four. So I mean, it was not even close. Um, few ten eight rounds in there. Uh, it's just crazy. No, absolutely crazy. Um, John Jones is just on another level. I don't think there's, I think Johnny Walker right now is the guy that is the, the scary, the other scariest dude in that division because that division isn't, you know, I'm not gonna say it's not bad. It's not great. There's, I think there's a lot of star potential coming up. I just don't think they're all there yet. So, uh, but John Jones, one of my favorite fighters, he's world class. He's he's light years above everyone else in that division and possibly in the UFC. He's pound for pound the best fighter in the world, my opinion, and I think that's the majority of MMA fans' opinions. Roids or not, the guy is incredible, and no one will ever take that away from him. Um, so that's it. Uh, that is it for Bringing the Heat podcast, episode 29. Short one today. Um, looking forward to the interview on Thursday. Again, get ready for Thursday interview. Um, also, check out our other podcasts. So, Bringing the Heat Network has so many, so many things to offer. I mean, we have a podcast for the golf community with Leave the Pin in, which those guys do a phenomenal job over there. If you if you like golf, listen. If you don't like golf, still listen because there's stuff in there that is super funny and you don't need to be a golf expert to listen. Uh, they make it so anybody who likes sports or likes, you know, if you like something funny and good to listen to, that's it. It's good. It, they, I'm telling you, they put out good content. They know what they're talking about. Um, also, check out Squash Match Podcast, all, the, all you wrestling fans out there. Um, they got some interviews on there and, and funny, again, uh, funny, knowledgeable. They love their wrestling over there, so check that out. So if you like wrestling, Squash Match. If you like golf, leave the pin in. And if you like football, baseball, 
and MMA, stay here. But I encourage you to go listen to the other two great guys, and they honestly do an incredible job. Um, they're helping expand this brand like you would never believe. Um, so make sure you go check them out. I can't, be, I couldn't be more thankful. Um, again, stay tuned for Thursday. And the last big announcement: we will also be uploading onto YouTube. Okay, so there will not, it won't be an actual video. It'll be just the podcast audio with our picture, but. Eventually, there will be videos of us up there doing uh, some things. Um, we're planning that out now for the summer. So it's still a little cold here, so we can't really get outdoors. But when we can, we have some stuff planned. It's going to be exciting. But for right now, our plan is to upload all the podcasts from now and forever. Upload all the podcasts onto YouTube. And then it'll be on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube for the podcast. And then, again, we'll eventually have video content to bring you guys as well. Uh, maybe live interviews or, or recorded interviews, um, so you'll have you'll be able to see the interview on YouTube. And then again, we have some some fun stuff lined up for the summer as well. So make sure you share, make sure you subscribe, tell everyone you know about it. And thanks for listening. I'll see you guys on Thursday. Peace. Pretty hot, I'll never be a millionaire. Whoa, boom, boom.